Daniel and chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. All right, we have been speaking on the subject. We've been speaking on the subject of prayer. And we talked about the different forms of prayer. And we spoke about, um, first of all, supplications, prayers, that's worship, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for queens, and for those that are in authority. And we explained the concept there of the supplication and worship, and the fact that once you offer up a supplication, uh, God hears and answers that prayer, because you are praying according to the will of God, that is what God has shown you in the scriptures concerning it, so you make your specific request known unto God. And that the moment you offer up that prayer, from that very moment you believe that God heard and answered the prayer, and your relationship with God in the context of that request is that you always start out by saying, all right, if you offer it up on the 24th of June at 9 p.m., then you say, Father, if I want to pray over it at this uh, um, today, Father, I thank you because you heard and answered uh, this particular prayer on the 24th of June at 9 p.m. Now I ask for the assistance of the Spirit of God as I make intercession. And we say you get into the place of intercession uh, with groanings that cannot be uttered for the birth of this particular thing that I received. And we said it's like the hen laying its eggs. The day the supplication was heard and answered was the day or the moment the hen laid her eggs. Then the waiting period is when the hen sits upon the eggs and finally it hatches after some time if I remember biology well, if I'm correct, three weeks. Is it three weeks? All right? Okay. Uh, after three weeks, and then the chicks come out. So what we have is, it, the day in which the hen laid the eggs was the day God heard and answered the supplication. So the eggs were laid in the realm of the spirit. And then the waiting on the egg. That's the intercession of the Spirit, and we'll look at this morning, until the eggs hatch and the chicks now come out, is what we say it has now been born or birthed by the Holy Spirit into our lives. And so we find this in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. All right, it says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. And then in verse 13, it now tells us about something that happened that was an attempt to cut off the answer by the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. 
But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. So it took 21 days of that travail to get the answer to be birthed into the earth. And we said it was 21 days of what we term spiritual warfare. And the scripture says we should hold fast our confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm unto the end. What is that confidence we are holding on to? This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, on the 14th of June, he heareth us, and we know that he heard us on the 14th of June, and therefore we have those things that we petitioned him for. So we hold fast our confidence and rejoicing of hope. We said there is firm until there is, it is made visible what we believe happened in the realm of the Spirit in answer to prayer. And so what does that angel bring forth? Uh, it tells us in um, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20, I believe. Daniel 9 and verse 20. Right? It tells us this. And while I was speaking and confessing, saying the sins of my people present supplication, verse 21, it goes on and says, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of evening oblation. So Gabriel is assigned to bring information. Michael is the assigned to fight, all right, in terms of division of labor. That's why when Mary was going to have a child, it was Gabriel that brought the information, all right. But Michael fights. Gabriel brings, all right, the information of what God wants to do to people. And then it says in verse 22, it says, And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am come forth to give this skill, or what is called wisdom and understanding. And then in verse 23, it says, At the beginning of thy supplication, all right, the commandment came forth. Which means the minute you started praying, there was a commandment at the beginning that I shall bring and inform you and to give you skill and understanding. It says, The commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, understand the matter and consider the vision. So we're getting something this morning that what the angel was bringing as the answer to the prayer was wisdom and understanding concerning that thing. So what goes on during this waiting period is that the Holy Spirit and the angels of God want to pour into our hearts God's wisdom and understanding concerning that thing so that we can work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Why is wisdom so important? I now understand this. Many people are believing and are not getting the transaction. What it goes on within our souls. You know, the Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So as the soul of a man prospers, so the life of that man prospers. All right, it says the end of your faith 
is the salvation of your souls. Because when your soul is saved, then you can now work it out and your life will be saved. So it's the salvation of your soul. And it's by bringing wisdom into the soul of that man. I used to say this many years ago. I learned this. Not very many years. came back to my mind. All right? That if you take a man who is running a business and that the turnover of that business, the capacity is, say, 200,000 naira, he's running his business and it's 200,000 and every year it's 200,000, 200,000. And you take him, you don't do anything to him, just take him and you put him to run a business that the capacity is 200 million and he has never been in that system. He's just coming from his mom and pop shop capacity there to run, all right, a massive multinational. He is going to keep making mistakes until that business shrinks from 200 million to the size of his soul. And then everybody will have peace. He will hire according to 200,000 naira. He will make decisions and he will shrink it until it gets to that level. If he has a 200 million capacity and you put him in a 200,000 naira business, he will start making decisions since he has gone through that path before and the soul has grown, he will start making decisions until that business rises to that 200 million. So as the soul goes, so does the life. Which means, the Bible says, a person is transformed by the renewal of his mind. Change what is going on in the soul and you will change what is going on in the life of that particular person there. I mean, I was reading a book yesterday and I read it before, but I went over it and I just saw something he said. He said, I sat down, this man had nothing, in the basement of where I was, he said, and I began to read, all right? Read, scientists read. He said, I thought myself out of poverty. He said, I thought myself out of poverty until I was hired, all right, to be the head of innovation in a Fortune 500 company. He said, but this is where I started, and I got so much information until I thought myself out of poverty. So what he's saying here is, right, knowledge and understanding will be given. Now, what does that mean? Proverbs 24 and verse 14. It tells us, or from verse 13. Proverbs 24 from verse 13. It says, My son, eat honey, thou honey, because it is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste. So he says, the same way honey is sweet to your taste, physically, this will be sweet also to your soul spiritually. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to thy soul. So there will be some sweetness there. You will enjoy the experience. When thou hast found it, then, it means only then, shall there be a reward. Remember, it says, cast not away your confidence that has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that you might inherit the promise. Now, please put that back there, alright? So it says, when thou hast found it, there shall be a reward. Which means the reward of your confidence. When you get the knowledge of wisdom, you discover that. That reward will come, right? And thy expectation shall not be cut off. So it can be cut off. 
It says, but through the knowledge of wisdom, it shall not be cut off. And so what the prince of Pasha, that uh, prince Pasha was doing, was to cut off the expectation of Daniel after he prayed. And so the angel came to tell him, I've come to give you wisdom and understanding. All right, concerning this expectation, carry these things out. And you are going to have, all right, the things that you saw in the word of God. So we go again to Mark chapter 6 and verse 2, talking about wisdom, the essence of it. And it tells us about the life of Jesus. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. In other words, the words coming out of his mouth, they were astonished at the things that they were hearing. And saying, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this? which is given unto him, that, which means the resultant effect is this, that, it says, even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. So it says, wisdom was given unto him, such that mighty works were wrought by his hands. So what brought about the mighty works was the wisdom, they acknowledge this, that was given unto him. So the angel was saying, I've come to give you, Daniel, this wisdom, because what you are praying about are mighty works. So here's the result of it. I'm not bringing the mighty works, right? I'm not bringing the city. I'm not bringing, all right, the business and just dropping it. I'm not bringing the family and just dropping it. I'm bringing the wisdom that will cause those things to happen. Here is the wisdom Carry out the steps according to what I've just taught you. And you will be able to reproduce this experience anytime and anywhere because this is the wisdom that is responsible for this manifestation here. So I had a gentleman, I was really impressed by him. He said, I can rebuild everything I built in Nigeria. Just give me a briefcase and tell me, all right? He said, not briefcase. I have certain things, all right, I want to present. And just show me, all right, where people who do this kind of business are in any nation of the earth. He said, and I will rebuild what I built in Nigeria. In other words, he understands that wisdom is the principal thing. The Bible says that in all thy getting, it is more precious than gold and silver. It says there is nothing that you desire that can be compared unto it. And so the angel is saying there is hidden wisdom, all right, that governs experiences. What you are praying for is an experience, but what I'm bringing is the wisdom. So we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, it tells us again about this wisdom. If I get in one and say, that thou from a child hath known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, that is in Jesus. So it is faith, all right, all right, that produces, which means I exercise faith in something, and then uh, in God for something, and then it tells us from the scriptures, God makes me wise unto that particular salvation there. So wisdom is in operation. So I want to look at the book of James, because the book of James is actually a book that gives us wisdom strategy or rare insight into what you do during that waiting period. It is considered by theologians as the New Testament 
version of the book of Proverbs. In other words, it communicates wisdom during what we call the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. When you stand praying, believe you have received that particular thing. This is the prayer of faith. I know I received it on the 19th of June. Now I'm here praying for the manifestation of what I believe I have received. It is what we see in James that Elijah prayed the prayer of faith that saves. And that prayer is, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It is done in heaven. I'm positioning myself for it to be done on the earth. And when he prayed it through, the hand of God rested upon Elijah. What was the meaning of that? Elijah had already told Ahab, you can go, eat and drink. Ahab got on his chariot there. Uh, the horses, and was going, uh, all right, to the destination. And Elijah was there praying. When the hand of God came, all right, which means he prayed that thing through, and it rested on Elijah, Elijah took off and went past the chariots and went faster than even um, um, uh, Ahab that was on horses and chariots. And when wisdom enters into your soul concerning something, those who are doing it naturally, you feel, might even have an advantage. That wisdom propels you and accelerates you, and there's great, all right? You make great strides, and supernatural things begin to happen. And that's what they said of Jesus, which wisdom is given unto him that he is doing this. So in the book of James chapter 1, I want to just look at two principles uh, this morning here. It tells us in verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy, when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then it says, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then it said, if any man lacks wisdom. So it says, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing that counted all joy when you fall into diverse, uh, all right, diverse temptations. Now, put up jo- sorry, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Let me bring the temptations uh, or right, tribulation into context. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 2, By whom also we have access, by faith, into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So you are operating in faith and you are rejoicing with the expectation that God's glory, God's power is going to be made manifest. You are rejoicing in something, right? And you are standing there rejoicing in the hope of God's glory. Then verse 3 tells us something, all right? And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Uh, because the scripture says that patience have a perfect work. Now, what's patience going to produce? I want to see this here. And glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, which we have seen in James. Now, but look at what it says next. And then patience produces experience, and then experience produces hope. In other words, he says we are rejoicing in the expectation or in the hope of God's glory. It says as we start rejoicing. Tribulation will come. 
But we rejoice in tribulation. Because tribulation will produce patience. Which is what James said. So patience is consistency. Alright, under the test. We are consistent. We don't waver. And then he says, patience will produce something he called experience. Jesus was approved of God. He said, this is my son who has gone through the test, who I'm approved here. So it says, patience, their consistency, is what is going to bring you to the point where there is a stamp of heaven, tested and tried, good and fit for use. He says, once that happens, then you are going to get the manifestation. Now, so follow what James is saying here, because it is very, all right, very strategic. So he says that patience have this perfect work. That you might, alright, become perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He now said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Which means, as you are going through the test, if you lack wisdom, that is, if there is any fault with you, and as you are going through the test, God says, we need to perfect, alright, this particular car. So as they test it, if there's a slight problem, they make an adjustment. Then they run the test again. There's a slight problem somewhere, they don't ignore it, they make an adjustment. There's a slight problem again, they make an adjustment until the car is perfect and entire. Then they say, it's good to go. So God says, in your life, when you're rejoicing over that thing, so we allow you now to go on a test drive with his trials and tribulation. And as that test is going on, now we're going to start making adjustments in your own life here. Now you have it. But we've got to prepare you for this massive thing that is coming. So as you go out in life, something happens, you test here. Right? And, and, and that's why God says that. And then you get to a point where he says experience has been worked. You are tried and tested. And he says here, then you are good to go. So James wants to start telling us about the areas where God, when he goes through that, the adjustments he makes. To make you whole and complete. He is going to work in certain areas of your life. And he wants to give us that information here. But you've got to understand that you are going through that test and, and he's making adjustments. And everything you do in life, right, must be subjected to some form. I mean, no matter how brilliant, all right, you think you are or how brilliant even God himself, when he created things, he evaluated them and said, it is good. It is good. And when he created man alone, now it wasn't that God was discovering that this creation of done or just one man is not good. He wanted to send a signal to humanity that don't ever forget this. It wasn't him that was informed. He wanted to tell humanity that the day I created you, I created one person. And then I said, it is not good for a man to be alone. Which means as a fundamental law in life, Know that it's not good for you to be alone. Now, it's not necessarily saying that you must be married. That's not what he said. He said it's not good for a person to lack, a, to lack support structure in life, which means you are just by yourself. You, you, are, you are just alone, all right, living. You must have a support structure. We've talked about that. You must have, all right, a group of people, right, or a person or two, three people around you in things if you are really going to excel. That is not good. So you've got to subject things, right, to tests. I mean, yesterday I, I, I preached at a minister's conference for some young minister. And, 
no, no, sorry. Yeah, I preached at a minister's conference, and then I went to preach at an innovation conference within 30 minutes. So I preached spiritual days, preached days. So, and I was talking about um, creative ideas. And I said, look, when you get an idea, the last phase you've got to subject this idea to a test. You, you can't just say, well, my idea is brilliant. By yourself in your room. This, I'm a genius. This, they say, or else you will go out there and it will fail. All right? And you lose a lot. I told them, I said, you might get it 90% right. But the 10% you did not get, just the 10% will create massive failure. All right? But you got it. And I told them, I said, let me give an example. I mean, Samuel got it accurately in his house that there was going to be another king and it's from one of the sons of Jesse. He got the family name. He got the address, got to the house, knocked on the door. I mean, this is, this is your own point with God. You open the door and the last stage, you blew everything. The first son you saw that was tall, he said, surely, this is the Lord's anointed. And then you anoint the wrong person and create problems. But you actually were right 90%. Which means the results would just have been as a person who didn't even hear God, who just got up and said, who is the next king? That chap, God, anoint. Because you still missed it. And I said, listen, if you don't subject your ideas to rigorous tests, you will get 90% right. What will happen is somebody else will see that you had done major work lost out and gave up he just starts from your 90 percent which is where you find your neighbor in the house of strangers thank you for listening